Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into issues around cybersecurity uh, because we live in an increasingly digitalized world, and uh, with every uh, single device, every single digital touchpoint, all of these things are vulnerabilities in one way or another. And if you're a consumer, if you're a business um, in particular, then uh, you need to make sure uh, that you're protecting um, your business, you're protecting yourself, and you might even be protecting your consumers, your employees, and the like. And to help us to, you know, maybe extend, you know, a little bit further just around some of the, you know, the current landscape at the moment, where we're going, and uh, how, you know, all of this uh, is happening um, at the moment, because we keep hearing about, you know, cyber attacks, we keep hearing about you know phishing scams and the like but now we're just uh, trying to see um, you know what is important at the moment um, as we're recording in August 2022 and to help us to unpack that we are joined uh, by uh, Zahir Ibrahim who is a senior sales engineer over at Trend Micro. here greetings to you thanks thanks Madewa, and greetings to your listeners as well and thanks for having me on your show today no, thank you so much, Zahir. Um, he did say that uh, I could call him Z, um, you know, when we were preparing just now. So I, I, I might be, you know, switching, uh, you know, but uh, just to get things going, I will be calling him, uh, you know, Zahir. And maybe just getting a little bit of insight specifically into First Trend Micro, uh, because, you know, just for the people that may not know the company and uh, what it is that you guys do and maybe uh, the area that you're looking after. All right, cool. Thanks, Madhuva. All right, so if we look at who Trend Micro is and where where we come from, so Trend Micro is a global cybersecurity company. Uh, we look at protecting digital assets, and and that talks directly to your opening statement, where almost everything is going digital, and we always need to add security as an additional layer to that. So from a Trend Micro perspective, we are leader from a cybersecurity point of view. Uh, we don't only do it from an antivirus perspective, we do it from a holistic security approach. So we got offices all around the world, but what I'd like to touch on more coincidentally is what is our business from a sub-Sahara and more predominantly a South African perspective. Uh, we got a lot of investment that has been done from a South African perspective, and we are there to be able to increase the cybersecurity gap in terms of skill and be able to bolster the security industry on a whole. Looking at it more from a, a personal perspective, who I am, as you mentioned, you can refer to me as Z. Uh, I'm part of the senior sales engineering team here at Trend Micro, so most of the technical uh, stories come out of me. And when I'm talking about technical, it's be, it gives me the opportunity to advise my customers, whether it's from an architecture perspective, whether it's from more pre-sales perspective, or even from a post-sales perspective, to be able to guide our customers and more of the industry to understand where cybersecurity is and why cybersecurity is, why cybersecurity is actually important for our customers as well. 
Um, so with everything that, uh, you know, you've just said right now, because you guys are a specialist, um, you know, when it comes to this type of thing, um, in South Africa, what do you tend to find yourselves, um, I guess, dealing with? What are the common things um, that, uh, that people are concerned with? And also at the same time, who tends to be the type of customer that you guys are dealing with? So from a customer perspective, if we look at it from a size variant, we deal from the small uh, guys right up to the large enterprises. Uh, we were looking at from the private sector or public sector. We we have deployments in either or. And what is quite unique about that situation is you'll be able to gauge what type of security is required for public sector and what type of security is required for private sector. And the reason being is there's different types of investments when we're talking about cybersecurity. The one security posture might be higher than the other one. So it's always good to be able to gauge what is happening in those guys' environments. But when we're looking at what is common from from attacks and some of the, I don't like to use it, but buzzwords that are going around there is we know that ransomware is always predominantly thrown out there. A lot of customers are held ransom. And one of the reasons ransomware is so predominant is especially from an email perspective, we still see a lot of customers receiving malicious emails. We also understand that 94% of threats that originate in a customer's environment most of the time originates from an email. So when we're looking at things like business email compromise, those are the type of emails that try to swindle money out of the company. When we're looking at viruses that are coming in from an email channel, we always need to understand that we can have all of these security layers in place, but we still have the human link that is there at the bottom. And that is where education is very key. We need to ensure that the end user understands what he's clicking on and what he needs to look at from whether it's a phishing email, business email, compromise email, education is always key on that front. Uh, I like the fact that you you mentioned the fact that education is key. And I think as part of the education, um, it's, I guess, I won't say deciphering, but going through the buzzwords, right? Because there's the things that we are used to hearing about, the email phishing attacks. Um, we're used to hearing about the, you know, ransomware. Um, I think there's the, what do you call this, uh, uh, denial of service attacks, all of the stuff that we're used to. Um, but I guess my question just around the, the current environment is, do the threats themselves change or is it more about how the the criminals actually, you know, uh, come about? Uh, because you we keep hearing about the same buzzwords. So my question is just around, is there variation or um, is are there any new types of attacks or is it a variation of what we're used to? So, so that's like a, a kind of a mixed question. So I would say that some of those attacks are just variances and they're just changing as they're being uh, uh, through the paces from a technology point of view. But there's also new attacks that are getting launched on a daily basis. So when I'm talking about the older threats and what variances they're looking at, even just last week or the week before, I had a customer that was an attack, but the attack was using legacy uh, vulnerabilities in that environment. So that actually shows that uh, bad actors are even using old vulnerabilities to exploit new uh, security holes. And that comes back to my second point where, where a lot of these attacks are actually using old vulnerabilities 
to exploit new attacks, and that can become a very serious consequence for the customer. When we're looking at it also from uh, how COVID actually accelerated people working from home, etc., one of the things that I've noticed is these attackers are also targeting end users' devices personally. So I got my mobile device, I got my private Gmail, Facebook, all of those things happening on there. But this is also connected to my corporate environment. So what bad actors are doing is they'll use an old way to be able to do the attack. So they'll send me a phishing email from Gmail, for example. I'll click on it, and then it will move laterally to my corporate environment. So even though the initial attack was legacy, you can call it, but they use the same type of attack to get onto my mobile device to move laterally and then use a new type of an attack on there. So it's sort of a mixture of both that's happening in the world today. Um, before we started, uh, you know, this particular session, I, I had done a little bit of research and I saw that, uh, you know, some of the, you know, um, experts out there um, rank Trend Micro as being one of the top, uh, I think, top 20, um, you know, cybersecurity firms in the world. And I can imagine that you guys probably have like a lot of data um, and uh, and a lot of instances that you're dealing with. So in the South African context, where are you guys in the ecosystem? Are people coming to you proactively to say, help us to protect our environment? Or do they sort of come reactively to say, oh, wow, we've been attacked and uh, we actually need to get out of this mess? So, so that's also a mixed bag of questions. So the reason being is we got two d- different types of customers or uh kind of people out there. We got those that uh, are reactive and those that are proactive. But then also we need to understand that a lot of organizations still see cybersecurity as a cost center. I have to pay you to secure my environment, but nothing happened. So I like to use the analogy of your car insurance. Everyone pays car insurance, but you haven't met up in an accident in the last 10 years. So does that mean you don't need car insurance anymore? So we need to ensure that we need to, again, go back to education. We need to have the right discussions with the right people. When we're looking at these type of customers, we got those customers that are reactive. There are those that get breached in the environment. When we go there and we try to help them, we then understand that they didn't have the correct security posture to start with. But then we got the proactive departments that that can see the value from cybersecurity. And one of the things that actually helped that discussion is uh, things like Poppy, things like GDPR. When we start talking about disclosing these types of data, that actually made those organizations more fearful that they company could be held ransom, they could cease to exist, they could shut down the factories, etc. So that is where we can have those two dis- dis- different discussion points. So yes, you are right, we are one of the leading cybersecurity vendors globally, but from a customer's perspective, we still have both of them on, on our side, the reactive and the proactive customers. And uh, when it comes to, you know, that whatever help you're giving, um, the techniques that you're using, the platforms, uh, whatever threat detection that you have, intelligence, that type of thing, um, are you guys, um, I guess, selling third-party type of solutions? Does Trend Micro have its own, um, you know, in-house, you know, expertise? How does that work? So if we go back to your previous question and you are and, and you made the statement that we're one of the top 20 global cybersecurity companies, one of the key things that keeps us 
uh, above the rest is our ability to innovate. And when I say the ability to innovate, you'll, you'll understand the term when we refer to as like DevOps. So DevOps will give us the capabilities to move very quickly. And that is the type of mindset that we take from Trend Micro. We want to be able to adapt and be able to move as quickly as possible. Having said that, we actually have a threat detection platform. We refer to it as Vision One. And the reason why it's called Vision One is we got a vision. This vision has everything plugging in from sensors to be able to detect breaches in the environment, and it's giving you the one console. So as part of this one console, I will be able to do your detection and your response capabilities from one platform. So whether I'm trying to secure your endpoints, because endpoints are very key for any environment, we got users that are working from home, working from coffee shops, etc. I need to ensure that the laptops, desktops are protected. When we're looking at mobile devices, all of us got mobile devices. Who's securing those mobile devices? Is there any risk associated with those mobile devices? I also got the capabilities of detecting network threats. So when we're talking about network threats and we use an example that comes into the environment, I got a bad actor, bad actor, actor comes into your office. He's not going to come to you and say, Mudiwa, I got my laptop and I want you to put your antivirus agent. I want you to put your EDR and then I'm going to attempt to attack your network. He's not going to be such a nice guy and say that. Hopefully we get one bad actor that can do that. But from a bad actor perspective, it's a very big blind spot because we don't know who is on our network and what they're actually doing on our network. And then the fourth one or the fifth one that is also very key is the ability to protect cloud platforms. And you'll also notice if you do some research that we also rated the number one from an IDC perspective, from a a revenue point of view, we got the largest market share from protecting cloud workloads. So it's also important that we have the capabilities of protecting cloud workloads. And having said all of that, all of this ties into one console. So I got one console to be able to show your board members what your risk is, what threats are coming into the environment, and also how many of these threats I'm actually responding to as well. Uh, certainly makes sense, you know, when you then describe uh, the process, you know, from that point of view, the fact that you guys do have, um, you know, all of these capabilities, all of these solutions that are all, you know, being tied up onto like, you know, one, you know, view or one interface that people can, um, you know, use to get a view of how protected their environment, um, you know, is uh, from the different standpoints that you spoke about, the devices, the network, um, you know, and all of that. So, it certainly makes sense one of the things i'm then curious about then is uh you know you were speaking just now about a bad actor and all of that and it made me curious you know to understand because um back in the day uh i remember i think you know when we were growing up at our house you know the first computer uh ever like it was a long time ago i think 2005 and at the time uh whenever you bought a computer they would always encourage you you know to to buy or subscribe to some type of an uh, uh, antivirus or some sort back in those days it was mcafee it was norton it was eset you know all of these things um is that still a thing antivirus you know uh packages and software um or you know is is it more now about, you know, how do you protect the environment as opposed to specific devices, um, you know, that uh, a business or an enterprise has? No, that the, the devices are still very key. 
Firstly, I must commend you for taking me back in history and, and understanding of uh, <laughs> desktops and beeping noises and all of those kind of things. But uh, no, definitely. So what we refer to it from a, from a trend micro or from a cybersecurity point of view is we refer to it as uh, the complete attack surface discovery. So when we're talking about ASD or attack surface discovery, we can only protect what we can see. So if we can see, we can then protect. But what happens to those appliances, those devices, those mobile phones that we can't see. We need to ensure that we have the right security tools to be able to detect that as well. So even though your question has come from a more personal point of view, where we're talking about your home PC, those home PCs also require the security and protection is needed. So even to use a use case from that that front, uh, just last week I got a call from one of my friends where they were, were targeted from uh, a Facebook message or Instagram message to say you want 5,000 Rand and you need to do this and click here and do that. That. And then firstly, I was very upset because uh, that specific person has me as a friend and, 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 and never referred to me. And then, sec- <laughs> then secondly, uh, giving hackers a bad name because now hackers didn't really do that. That was you getting fished by the, by the, by the bad actor. But then that same scenario that user is using their personal phone and their personal phone is getting breached as well. So even though Back in the day, we used to encourage security. Today, it's even more prevalent that we need to ensure that all of our devices are covered and and also ensure that they are protected and fully patched. Now, with everything that we've just spoken about, so here we've, um, you know, you've just given us the example of what happened to your friend. Uh, but throughout the discussion, you know, we've been talking, um, you know, more in the hypotheticals. Are there any examples, you know, that you can share just around how Trend Micro has actually come in to, you know, deal with the, you know, specific uh, cases? I'm not sure whether you are um, able to or comfortable to share names of organizations, but you know, just a case study of how you guys were able to, um, I guess, firstly, what happened and then how, you know, you guys were able to resolve the situation. So so obviously, I won't be able to mention any names of the organizations, but we, we, we've been helping customers a lot from a targeted attack detection point of view. But one of the use cases that I'll actually mention, and it's actually publicly available, uh, your listeners can also just Google Interpol and Trend Micro. When we're talking about who Interpol is, I think everyone understands who Interpol is. And what we then did is ourselves with other cybersecurity vendors, we then partnered together with Interpol, and we actually launched this campaign to be able to pull down the Nigerian scammers that were issuing a lot of business email compromise attacks. So what they were doing is they were then targeting organizations, sending out these emails into these organizations to be able to exfiltrate data. They were then creating ransomware demands and so forth. And what we've done is we then able to hunt them down by something we refer to as an indicator of compromise, which is IOC. We then use these IOCs to be able to reverse engineer where these attacks were coming from. And together with Interpol, we were able to launch a targeted investigation and we were able to book these guys into justice. So... Even some of those type of organizations are very key to be able to work with. And that comes back to another question that I also get asked quite often is, how do we see Trend Micro from a competition point of view? And the Interpol example actually highlights that our competition is the bad guys and it's not intertwining each cybersecurity vendor. It's us working together to be able to bring these guys to justice. Back in the day, maybe... uh, 
It's a bad example, but uh, South Africa, we still see a lot of cash in transit highs. But sooner or later, that cash in transit highs will then become a digital highs. And those monetary values, cryptocurrency, those kind of highs also needs to be secured. When we're talking about those type of security, we also got examples where hospitals, electrical uh, uh, infrastructure is being held ransom. So now we're playing with people's lives, and that is how scary cybersecurity can actually get. So we got a whole host of, of customer use cases. You can even just reach out to me directly. I'll, I'll happily share them where we actually help customers protect the environments and also do the incident response for them as well. Um, one of the things that's very interesting about what you said is I think it reemphasizes um, throughout this discussion, one of the common threads um, is uh, the fact that uh, individuals, specific individuals, are a big vulnerability in uh, what you call this um, in an organization. And, uh, you know, it's something that we hear about, you know, many times when you talk to cybersecurity experts. Um, and I can imagine that, you know, even if a company is spending millions um, with Trend Micro, they've got all the systems, they're doing all the things. It doesn't help if, you know, using your first example from earlier in the discussion, um, someone is compromised using Gmail. And then, you know, that then affects, you know, um, it may be they logged into Gmail on a work phone or something and that then, you know, compromises, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the enterprise systems and the like. Um, how much investment is actually going into that piece of the individual? Um, because that really does seem to still be uh, with the, one of the biggest points of vulnerability in any organization. No, no, definitely, Madiwa. So what, what I've noticed from analyzing cyber threats and those kind of things is you hit the nail on the head. When we're talking about uh, companies investing millions and having things like defense in depth, they're going to have multi-layered different vendors to be able to protect them. Sometimes that's not enough because we still understand the human is still the factor at the end. So what we've done from a trend micro point of view, with our same console we refer to as Vision One, we started invoking something we refer to as zero trust. So again, another buzzword I have to throw out there. But what zero trust is, is it is a, a type of authentication, access, and authorization. So authentication, you as Mudiwa, you're going to tell me who you are and how you're going to tell me that is either you're going to use your mobile device, you're going to have multi-factor authentication, your username, password, whatever. That is how you're going to be able to tell me who you are. So back in the day, you can just come and tell me this is Mudiwa, this is my password, this is how I get onto the system. Now with zero trust, we have to do authentication, then I'm going to do access and then authorization. So once you tell me who you are, I'm now going to do things like posture checking. I'm going to see, okay, let me go back in the last seven days to understand, has Mudiwa received any uh, malicious emails? Has he have any cryptocurrency uh, things, uh, mining running on his PC? Is his mobile device clear? And that is where we start talking about risk. Okay, how risky is Mudiwa? Okay, all of a sudden, he's not such a risky user. Then I go to uh, uh, access. Now I'm going to allow you access into certain scenarios within my environment. So you as a user, this is how we're going to be able to control that. You as a user working from home, you try to access your internal corporate resources, but your account is now sitting as a high risky user. We then flag you. 
then I'll deny you access into what you're allowed to access. So that means now I'm removing the human capability. Because I'm removing that, I'm now telling you straight, you're not allowed to access internal resources until your account gets remediated. So now you have to go and clean your PC, you have to install antivirus, you have to do all of that. Once you come back in, I then do another check. I then see, okay, you are allowed to access. And that is how we have the capabilities of enforcing zero trust in the corporate world. Um, am I correct in assuming that, uh, you know, this uh, analysis that's happening, you know, the authentication and then the, the, the two-step and then uh, the different levels of authorization is all happening sort of on a system level? Yes, definitely. So it, it happens on, on two levels. It's either the system level, so I can do posture checking against your computer, or I can even do user uh, access control. So I want to understand you as a user, what type of uh, websites you've been going to, what type of cloud applications you've been accessing, so that I can now build a complete story to understand this is you as a user and these are the devices you're logging into, whether it's your Mac, your Windows, your phone, I can then start building out the story and be able to either deny or allow you access to certain resources. All right. Uh, I, I think it makes sense, you know, from that point of view. And when it comes to trends, um, you know, in the world of uh, digital security more broadly, uh, I wanted to maybe zoom out because, you know, I have someone with your expertise here. So I'm allowed to geek a little bit. Um, <laughs> how do you feel or, you know, how are you thinking around uh, the debate around passwords? Uh, because uh, there's a lot of people that are saying that passwords are a big vulnerability uh, thing. Uh, so digitalized that you know you might have 50 accounts out there from your bank account social media email etc uh, that most people have one password or a variation of one password and you see uh, companies like microsoft google apple etc all moving towards a passwordless you know type of thing yeah. um is yeah. there merit you know to that type of thinking yeah i i think there is definitely merit to going passwordless and and to use an example, uh, I got another friend of mine that saves uh, <laughs> uh, passwords in, in, in the phone book. So I said, if I ever need to attack you, I just take your phone and go and look for your bank account and all of that. And I'll find it as contacts on your phone. So that just shows that the, the, the weak link is still the user putting details into their phone. So I'll definitely go passwordless. Uh, I'll encourage the use of multi-factor or two-factor authentication. Uh, I'll definitely uh, uh, associate it with an app on your phone. You can always download those applications and you can link these multi-factor applications to different applications that you're using. So yes, definitely, I will definitely promote the, the use of going passwordless. All right. And then before we before we let you go, I do like the, you know, uh, the, the thinking around passwordless. It is a big um, point of vulnerability, like you said. Um, even even I admit, you know, sometimes struggling to how do you even manage, you know, having all of those uh, all of those passwords. And I guess that's the reason why there's so many apps um, that help you to, you know, either keep passwords or to create those encrypted chains. Um, you know, and all of that. Uh, but before we do let you go, um, it's about the 
earlier on in the conversation, you did mention a number of areas, you know, that uh, tend to be points of vulnerability. We've spoken about the individual, we've spoken about networks, we've spoken about devices, etc. And you also spoke about how with the rise of cloud, um, that's also an environment that needs to be protected as well. Um, so where we are right now for businesses, right, uh, where should the attention be, you know, just given all of these different areas uh, that uh, businesses tend to have as part of their systems? Yeah, so if we if we go back to my earlier comment around ASD or tech surface discovery, I think that is where it's very key for organizations to be able to understand. When we're talking about a tech surface discovery, this ties back into two acronyms that I love to use. It's MTDD and MTTR. So it's mean time to detect and mean time to respond. So in simple terms, what it means is how long it's taking you to uh, uh, find a threat, how long it takes you to be able to resolve that threat in your organization. And even if you look at uh, organizations like Ponemon, Ponemon does research and they're looking at 200 plus days to be able to detect the threat and then be able to co- correlate the information and then lock down the threat. And that becomes a very big problem. So for the large organizations, the enterprises that are looking at securing those environments, they need to ensure that they're looking at it from an attack surface discovery point of view. They need to ensure that they have adequate sensors in the environment to be able to detect all the devices, all the threats, all the vulnerabilities that are in the environment, and then have a correlation engine to be able to do it. But then this also leads to pain point number two, and that comes back to cybersecurity skills. We understand there's a huge shortage of skills globally, not only in South Africa. So we need to make sure that even the the, the tool that we're using has the capabilities to correlate as much of it, the information to be able to pass this to our analysts to be able to threat those, handle stress in the environment. So uh, holistically, if we're looking at the attack service discovery, it will be anything from my endpoint, my mobile, going right up to my cloud workloads, right up to my emails, etc. I need to be able to have a holistic view of the entire environment to be able to do threat hunting adequately enough. I feel like today I've learned, you know, a lot of things. Uh, I've learned about attack surface discovery, uh, mean time to detect, uh, mean time to respond, you know, so, uh, you know, really good, uh, you know, just uh, in terms of all the learnings that we've been having um, on this discussion. And I did say that we were about to let you go here, but as a quick follow-up to, you know, what you were saying just now about, you know, all of those different things that businesses need to be paying attention to is uh, it really seems like companies are spooked about, you know, mentioning or talking about, you know, instances where they have been attacked. Um, I guess more from a reputational point of view and, you know, just trying not to spook customers and, you know, um, that point uh, and all of that. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is it neutral? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's a good and a bad thing. So, if, if we think about before the likes of GDPR, so for your listeners, uh, GDPR, POPI is all national standards that are used to be able to understand what type of information has been leaking. So POPI stands for protection of personal information. And what we realize is that if someone gets breached, that data gets uh, mishandled, there was no one to hold accountable to say that my data has now been leaked to the bad guys. They're selling my data all over the show. What 
what what is the consequences about that? So when Poppy came out, that changed this whole scenario. So today you'll see a lot of customers or a lot of organizations disclosing breaches. And that is actually a good thing because it actually shows to other organizations that breaches are real, cybersecurity is needed, and it must stop be, being seen as a as a, a, a Stop understanding return on investment from cybersecurity. Today, you won't see a return on investment. You're going to pay me a lot of money to secure your environment. But give me another two years when you get breached, then you're going to understand what return on investment is from a cybersecurity point of view. So from a getting spooked perspective, it is a good thing. It's just creating more awareness that breaches are real. South Africa is being attacked by cybersecurity bad actors out there, and we need to have adequate protection to secure ourselves as well. All right. So you heard it. Breaches are real and cybersecurity is needed. That's us talking to Zahir Ibrahim, who is a senior sales engineer over at Trend Micro. Very fascinating discussion just around the state of cybersecurity right now. And uh, I, w- I was enjoying some of the, you know, practical, you know, um, examples that he was giving to us. Um, I think uh, at this point, we should all agree uh, that uh, Zahir needs to have a TED talk for all his friends to better protect themselves <laughs> uh, but it was uh, you know really great and uh, some of the acronyms that we were learning about now uh, one of the big ones he talks about uh, tax service discovery uh, to simply say that um, if you are going to be paying money uh, to have uh, your digital environment protected in one way or another then at least <clears throat> you know try by all means um, to have you know everything registered because uh, in a lot of instances you can't protect what you cannot uh, what you cannot see um you know on a network so all of that you know is very important and also uh talking about the fact that uh a lot of uh, the attacks that are being done today, uh, despite all the advancements in technology, tend to be exploiting uh, some of the old or legacy vulnerabilities uh, from back in the day. So, Zahir, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Perfect. Thanks, Mudeva. Thanks to your listeners. This is Mudeva's Take. Really great discussion uh, with Zahir just around where we stand, you know, cybersecurity wise. Um, and, uh, you know, that fact uh, that he was talking about, uh, the two about uh, protecting what can actually be seen uh, by the different systems, I think, you know, very key. Um, and it uh, goes back to so what some people say, uh, you know, just about what can be measured. You can only take action on the things that are seen or that can be measured by whatever systems um, you you know you have in place but more interesting was just how um, people are using some of the old techniques uh, the tried and true uh, tested techniques that bad actors have been using for decades now right that they're incorporating that into some of the new environments which sort of shows um, the fact that um, as as much as we advance um, there are still those legacy things from back in the day and the individual seems to really be at the heart um, 
um, of, uh, you know, some of that vulnerability. Uh, the fact that people really do need to be educated. People really do need to know and understand what's going on. And people really do need to protect themselves, you know, a little bit more. Most of the time you think to yourself, oh, but I'm just one person. Um, how important am I? But, you know, the fact that you've been breached or you've been compromised um, can hurt yourself and it can actually hurt, um, you know, your employer or your organization's business um, from that end. Or if you happen to be the business owner, uh, you might find yourself actually compromising um, the organization or the business that you are trying to build and trying to grow. So very important. And we're just grateful, uh, as I here highlighted, that we do have uh, some of those pieces of legislation like your GDPR and Poppy in South Africa now uh, that do help us to hold um, you know, people accountable whenever there are breaches just so that there is that recourse when some of those things do happen. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.